Welcome to the Gingsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a sec and download the Gingsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Gingsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step with your journey with Jesus. Very warm welcome to each of you this morning. I greet you in the name of the Holy Child of Bethlehem, Jesus Christ. Good morning. Church, good morning, parents, grandparents, those worshiping online. My name is Dennis, one of the pastors here. We're in week number four of our current teaching series, The Characters of Christmas. We're having a little fun. We're looking at some of the well-known secular icons of the season, using them as a springboard to really talk about the true reason for the season, the birth of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Today we're looking at Luke chapter 1 verses 26 to 56. We'll be telling a story of Mary. Our culture worships celebrities. We worship and follow stars, rock stars, music stars, movie stars. We worship the who's who. Even for the last 20 years we've had a very popular show American Idol. We make idols and worship them. That's our culture, the who's who of America. And we celebrate that. Even over the past several weeks, we've learned of Time Magazine's Person of the Year, Taylor Swift, and we wish her the best. But a few years ago, a well-known publication did a spoof on who's who, and they ran an article, Who's Nobody in America? And they had their readers nominate who that would be 25,000 people nominated themselves my favorite was a woman named Evelyn who said she had been in counseling for 8 years for low self esteem she said after 8 years my counselor still doesn't know my name and calls me Mildred <laughs> i guess that would qualify her <laughs> here's is the good news Christmas is for the Evelyns of the world. Christmas is for nobodies. Christmas is for outsiders. Christmas is for misfits. Christmas is for nobodies like Dennis Miller, meaning me, like you, and like Mary, the mother of Jesus. That's what Christmas is for. Let me tell you one more story. that you know part of the story to set us up before we look at the scripture today. It's a story birthed out of Chicago, Illinois. One December night, a little in Chicago, a little girl crawled into her daddy's lap and said, "Daddy, why isn't mommy like other mommies?" Bob May glanced across the living room to the couch where his wife Evelyn was asleep. For 2 years she had been struggling with cancer. Her treatments had drained the family finances. They were living on the ragged edge. On this night, Bob May could see the toll the ordeal was taking on their 4-year-old daughter Barbara. Bob May had a difficult life. He attended Dartmouth College. He was so frail and young-looking that people often mistook him for someone's little brother. After graduation, most of his class went off to Wall Street and other jobs. Bob May went to Chicago to become a lowly copywriter for Montgomery Ward. 
When Bob May was 33, his wife Evelyn was near death and he was broke and depressed. That night, Bob May cradled his four-year-old daughter in his arms and made up this story. He said, once there was a little reindeer named Rudolph. Rudolph was so small and frail that he was the only reindeer in the world with a red nose. One Christmas Eve, Santa had just finished hitching up all the big reindeer, Dancer, Prancer, and the others to his sleigh. He was ready to go. Then a great mist and fog enveloped the whole world, and Santa knew there was no way that he would be able to find a single chimney that night. All the children of the world would be disappointed, but through the mist, Santa saw something red. It was Rudolph's nose. So Santa hitched that little frail reindeer to the very front of the pack and set off into the fog. Guided by Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer, Santa found every chimney in the world that night, and little Rudolph went from being despised to the most beloved reindeer of all. A few weeks after that night, Bob May's wife, Evelyn, died. It was with great reluctance that he went to the office Christmas party at Montgomery Ward that year. And while he was there, he reached into his pocket and pulled out a story he had written for his daughter, Barbara. He read it to the gathered people. And as he finished there, there was stunned silence and then an applause. And you know the rest of the story. Bob Mays Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer, has become an icon of our Christmas celebration. Now we ask the question, why? What's so enduring about that simple children's story that I assume most of us have heard? Why does it touch us so? I think I know the answer. Because deep down in each of us, there's a Rudolph. There's a feeling like I'm not good enough. Perhaps we feel if we know that cartoon, Rudolph, like we have been placed on the island of misfit toys. We never quite lived up to someone else's expectations. Perhaps we were never the child that our parents really wanted, and we were told that. Perhaps we were told we were an accident. Perhaps our father wanted a son and we were a daughter, or perhaps our parents wanted a daughter and we were a son. Or maybe we were too short, or maybe we were too tall, or maybe we were too fat, or maybe we were too thin. Maybe we were told we were not athletic enough, or we were a dumb jock. Perhaps we weren't ever smart enough, or we were too nerdy, we were too smart. Perhaps all of our lives we have been told and we've lived under this, this feeling that we just quite haven't met our parents or someone else's expectations. Today, our scripture is from Luke chapter 1, a very well-known part of the Christmas story. Here we look at an unmarried, pregnant teenager named Mary. Mary said, but you don't understand. An angel appeared to me and told me what was going on. Yeah, right, Mary, sure. Even her own fiance was ready to abandon her. Issue what was in those days a divorce. Why? Because he knew, they knew, 
that teenage girls in that part of the world at that time, Jewish girls, got pregnant the same way that American teenagers do today. According to how they handled it back then was that they would ship you off out of town to save you from embarrassment or even worse, possible punishment for being pregnant out of wedlock. And so they shipped her not just out of town, but 80 miles to Elizabeth's house. Can you imagine how Mary must have felt, especially when she saw Elizabeth and Elizabeth greeted her and said, oh, Mary, you're highly favored among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Did you know that Mary was probably around 13 or 14 years old? Women would marry right after puberty. Joseph, we believe, would have been around 17 or 18 years old. This was a high school senior marrying a middle schooler. And we asked the question, what were you thinking, God? Oh, we know that it was of the Holy Spirit, but can you imagine what the people thought? This was the divine infant. This was the babe of all babes. This was the holy child, the long-awaited one who was to come and to redeem Israel, to save Israel. This was the king, the once and for all revelation of God. This was the one who should have been born to a king in Jerusalem, in the capital city, in the palace. Not in a little suburb, in the back part of the region. This one should be born in comfort in a nice birthing suite at Miami Valley Hospital, not in a barn, in a shed surrounded by animals. You could have found that place in the dark if you were downwind, right? But God came in the unexpected. God used the lowly. God used the humble, the simple, a nobody from a nowhere town. Lazarus at the time was about 400 people in Nazareth in the lower Galilee. And yet we see that's how God works. Apostle Paul talks about that God chooses the foolish and the weak to confound the wise and the strong. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we find this great verse where Apostle Paul says, when I am weak, then I am strong. Look at the ones who God used in the Bible. Moses, with his speech impediment, his stammering tongue. We see Jeremiah, who suffered from low self-esteem. Elijah, should have been in counseling for his depression. He was ready to give up on God. The Apostle Paul He had a thorn in the flesh, an ailment, and yet God used him to change the world. The same is true today. I look at my own life and I say, you know, when I was in middle school, in the high school, I was so timid to speak before a group like this or spend my life speaking before groups when I couldn't even speak in my Sunday school class. I was one of those boys that if called upon 
oh no, because all the air would just come out of my lungs before I would speak and I couldn't speak at all. And I'd be so nervous. Have you ever been there? You talk about freezing in public. <laughs> if we would have to read it in, in the room before people, I would try to anticipate what verses I would have to read and it would, it would, it would make me nervous until I got to that place to read. And yet God uses the people like me and you. Now, in this story from Luke chapter one, Mary could only guess that the reason why God had chosen her was because of her unworthiness. In verse 48, the Lord has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Underline the word humble. But she knew she would go down into history for she said, from now, all generations will call me blessed. You know, I love Christmas time like you. I love Christmas at church. I love these seasons. People come out, more and more people come out. And, and I want to thank you for coming today or for those who've tuned in today. Some of you made special efforts today. You got other things going on. And thank you for that. Next Sunday, we'll have large, large crowds here, hundreds and hundreds of people, many guests. And if you're a guest today, I know what some of you are thinking. You're looking around and you say, this is cool, but I don't fit in here. These aren't my kind of people. Maybe you're here today because someone invited you to come. Maybe mom or grandma twisted your arm and so you're here. Maybe you're here on a date. Maybe it's just tradition that you come or because the kids were singing today and I'm glad that you're here. But you may be thinking today, but I, I, I don't fit in here. These perfect looking families, these children up here with their Pinterest worthy outfits on, that's not me, that's not our family, that's not my, well, let me just say something as the pastor of this church. There's something that as the pastor of this church, I know about these people sitting around you that you might not know. <laughs> See, I know these people, many of them. And if you knew what I know, you may not want to be sitting as close as you are to them. <laughs> because you see, really, the people sitting around you have messy lives. It's not all put together. We all have a story of our past. And it, it's not that we're, the people around you are perfect now. They're in the midst of the struggle today, but they know that they're loved, but they know that they're forgiven, but they know that God offers grace and hope for all of us here. You know, here at Gingsburg, there's a lot of myths in a big church like this. Oh, that church, they're watering down the gospel. They don't believe in sin. They're preaching. What's the pre preacher preaching today? Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer, <laughs> you know. What you need to know is that we're on our way to perfection in Christ Jesus, amen? But that's not an excuse for bad behavior. God desires none to perish and all to come to forgiveness. God, Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. 
We still have fallen short of the glory of God. And the truth is we must come to the place when we admit that. But the good news is that God is for us, not against us. And so therefore we're surrounding each other and holding each other's hand. Heard a story about a new preacher came to town. People overall liked the new preacher. One guy was down at the barber shop and he was talking to his barber about the new preacher. And so the barber said, well, what's the difference from the old preacher and the new preacher? He said, well, there's a big difference. The old preacher, he would preach that we're all in trouble, we're all lost, we need to repent, and we need to follow Jesus. So what does the new preacher preach? He says, well, we're all lost, we're all in trouble, we all need to repent, and we need to follow Jesus. So the barber said, well, what's the difference? He said, oh, there's a big difference. The new preacher says it, but he says it with tears in his eyes. You see, he cares about us. God cares about us. That God has provided a way for us. See, the greatest Christmas gift that any of us will ever get this Christmas will not be found under the tree. But the gift that God gives is that Jesus hung on a tree and gave himself for all of us. And so what we respond to that is through humility. As we humble ourselves, the Lord is exalted and he will lift us up. And that is what's the characteristic found in the Mary, the nobody, the disregarded, people like me and you. So let's wrap it up and go home. What would God say to the Rudolphs inside of each of us today? I believe God says to us that he has not changed the way that he runs the universe today. God still enthrones himself in weakness. Can I tell you something? Your weakness may be your secret weapon. Amen? When you humble yourselves, when you turn from yourself, when you lay yourself down before the Lord in Christ, he will lift you up. You say, you don't know me. I'm a nobody, I'm damaged goods, I've got a past. I'm not the poster child for Gingsburg Church. Are you sure? He used Mary and he can use each of us. For in our weakness, amen, we become strong. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you and praise you for the gift of this day and moment for the God of Rudolph's and the God of Mary and people like us. And even though that we're weak and struggling and frail, you don't give up on us. You come to us. You let us know that we belong in your kingdom and in this great church. And we pray that you would send us out into the fog and the mist and the darkness of this world, that we might shine your everlasting light of hope to the glory of Jesus Christ. For this is what we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. 
First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you would like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Gingosburg app or online at gingosburg.org.